Now, on the flip side, if you don't develop the right partnerships, that's how you're going to grow. So I know this can be very, um, it can be difficult. But when we say we don't want to be the biggest, we want to be the best. I think you have to be willing to say no to the wrong opportunities in order to create what you want over time. Because where whatever partnerships you enter, that's that's your reputation. That's how you're going to grow. That's the kind of partners you're saying you want to work with. So I think being incredibly picky, especially early on in a startup, in a business, I know that is hard to do, but I think that patience and diligence actually pays off in the long haul. Welcome to Winning at Work, the podcast for foodies, founders, and food and beverage professionals. You know, if you wanted to discover a new brand, a new food or beverage to try, there are literally thousands of companies out there. It is very difficult to do that. That's why we curate the different, the better, and the special brands here each and every week so you don't have to do the heavy lifting. If you're a founder and you're looking to connect with other like-minded executives, we make that very easy. And if you just work in the food and beverage industry and you're looking for fresh inspiration, we have that here in spades. This episode is sponsored by Temple. Congratulations, you're selling in retail. But the competition is fierce and your brand is surrounded by similar products. How will consumers find you? Let Temple show you an innovative retail sales solution. Click on the Attract Consumers link below. Need to attract great employees? Click on the Hire Now below and we'll show you how to use your culture to help you stand out. Stay tuned for this week's episode. Welcome to Winning at Work, everybody. It is Tony, and I don't think we can talk enough about sales and marketing. I know we've been doing a series on you know how to support your brand in retail. We've we've been covering that. I think we've covered DTC to a large extent. Um, recently, I have been involved a little more in food service and food service operations. And I'm, I gotta say, um, I'm really looking forward to this conversation today as it regards to selling and marketing um, a service into a, a pretty competitive set. And today I have Allison Pratt. She's the CEO, president and CEO of Thomas Cuisine. And I think they're, they're doing something I think is quite challenging when you talk about um, creating scratch, scratch food every day into large-scale dining operations. I'm talking about, you know, your corporate dining, independent school systems. Of course, senior living is really big. They're in that space as well as healthcare. They focus on real food. I think that is a huge, huge challenge. But when you're selling something that is clearly better and you're talking in the marketplace to buyers, the the challenge is on the seller to um, storytell, to show value, bring metrics. I'm just really curious to see how larger scale companies go about this process. And today, I, again, I have Allison Pat, and she comes out of uh, her the role previous to being president and CEO of Thomas Cuisine. She was a group president at Continental. So she brings lots of experience in sales and in general management. So uh, welcome in. Allison, great to have you today. Thank you, Tony. Happy to be here. Did I, did I, at one point, did I just, did I say Pratt at any point? I thought I said Pat. Did I at one point say Pratt? 
You did, but it is a common mistake. So no worries. I think I did. I'm like, it's Pat. Why did I say Pat? So there you go. Uh, First lesson in sales, people do not butcher someone's name, but it it could be endearing though. Could it not? I mean, it's like, oh, bless his heart. You know, I will tell you, I am often called Patty. So not only am I Allison Pratt, but people will think you're your last name's your first name. So I'll, I'll take any of it. Call any me like. Okay, good. So you just, so there you go. So that's the first, the first rule is uh, assign a negative to yourself and someone will turn it around into a positive. So you see, I just try, I just use the old sales technique on you and it worked. Um, I like it. Allison, um, tell us a little bit more just about the, the size and scope of Thomas cuisine and maybe help us understand a little bit more about the the marketplace that you were in. Sure, absolutely. Uh, So I joined Thomas Cuisine, as you referenced, in 2020. Interesting time to make a move and and join a new team and company. Um, But Thomas Cuisine has uh, existed well before me. A company was founded in 1986 by our founder, Thad Thomas, hence Thomas Cuisine. And we were founded actually out of a garage in Meridian, Idaho, the greater Boise area. Um, Started very small, uh, humble, meager means in in terms of the company size. We are now in 12 states, primarily on the western half of the United States. So we kind of are a regional player, primarily in the west. Um, And we we partner with about 100 different organizations. You referenced the, the groups that we work with, but healthcare, senior living, independent schools and corporate dining is really our sweet spot. Um, as you mentioned, we have always considered ourselves this real foods company. So, so what is real foods? Um, scratch cooking, clean, healthy, delicious ingredients. If you go into a, a typical hospital or senior living community, so often you'll find that the freezer is just full of these processed frozen products. For us, we actually try to do something very different. Our fridge is actually where we keep most of our our products. And we are all about fresh, healthy, ideally local, sustainable ingredients. And so we allow our chefs to be chefs. You would be shocked at how many kitchens have more scissors than knives. It's all about opening, you know, bags of frozen products. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. For us, it, we took an opposite approach. Uh, we were founded on this notion that food should taste amazing, but it should also fuel the body. It should be good for you. It should be something that that you look forward to and actually makes you feel better throughout your day. And when you think about the populations that we serve, a lot of these are, are the most vulnerable populations. We are we are dealing with, um, you know, those who are aging. We're dealing with those who are sick in a hospital environment. Our very youngest members of society in schools. So we get this amazing opportunity to show how food can really transform lives, um, and that's pretty unique in the food space. Yeah, it's great uh, when you, you have such a nice mission and a purpose out in front of you every day, doesn't it? It's incredible. I I will tell you, you referenced where I was before. I have had an amazing career thus far. I've worked with incredible individuals. I have loved everywhere that I have been. And I was in no way looking for a change when I started speaking with the board here at Thomas Cuisine. And I just, I just fell in love with the mission. What we do matters. and, And we like to say we do about 22 million meals a year. To me, we get 22 million opportunities to make a difference. Um, and that's that's done with a knife and some great ingredients and a lot of passion. So I'm very blessed and lucky to be where I am. Yeah, and it's such a competitive space too, is it not? 
It is. Yep. So um, there's actually a, a list of the top 50 food management companies, and that is not the only list that there is. There's certainly more than 50 in, in the United States, but there are 50 really dominant players um, and, and three especially dominant players at the top of that list. So for us, we're right in the middle. We are a mid-sized food management company. We're very boutique. Uh, again, you said it, we're not always the least expensive. We believe in quality. Um, so for us, it's all about finding those aligned partnerships. Um, but it is a very competitive landscape. And especially now, uh, so many people are really looking at the economic environment and want to make sure that they're they're really thoughtful with the dollars that they spend. So not only do we bring the health side, but we have to be great financial stewards and we have to set ourselves apart right up front. We have to build a reputation that is unique and uh, offer some very unique value to stay relevant in this space. Well, you mentioned this at the top that you partner with roughly 100 groups. Explain that. What does that mean, this partnership, a line partnership? What, what, what is that exactly? Yeah. So uh, we have some system clients that we'll work with. So for example, a hospital system that may have numerous hospitals, that would be a, a client or a, a partner for us. Um, we also may just have a, a one school kind of partner. So across all of those, we very much believe in a couple different notions. First is smart growth. So there's a lot of companies that the biggest indicator of success is how fast the bottom line or the top line is growing. Um, that is not our core indicator of success. Certainly, we believe in growing. We believe in offering more opportunities and, quite frankly, expanding our mission. I often say that for us, growth is a noble goal because we're all about improving the lives of others through food and, and specifically through, through food that fuels and energizes the body. Um, so that's one piece is we want to make sure that we're very thoughtful around how the how we grow. So we talk a lot about smart growth, um, not just growth for growth's sake. I have found, and I'm sure this is not unique to us, who you align yourself with, that builds your reputation. Um, who you surround yourself with very much is an indicator of who you are. So we are very thoughtful about entering any new partnerships. We say no more than we say yes. And, uh, and that's pretty unique in this space. Oh, isn't that interesting? Because when I was looking at that comment about the partner groups, I didn't realize you were actually referring to your your clients. So right That's off beautiful. the bat, right. Yeah. right off the bat, they're not a client. This is a, a partner. That's right. And frankly, when we start having conversations with somebody who's interested in bringing on uh, food service, you know, outsourcing that, if we hear the word vendor a lot, probably means we're not going to be the most aligned. We are truthfully not interested in being a downstream vendor. We are interested in being a strategic partner that that truly drives results that matter to those that we serve. I think you just probably struck a chord with literally everyone listening. I know <laughs> you did with me because I have two different diff I have two different businesses I run. One is in uh, food and beverage and the other is is simply in in manufacturing. And with so many of those clients on the manufacturing side, notice I called them client. And yeah. they do use that word a lot, vendor, yeah. vendor agreements and vendor contracts. And it really shows they just expect you to plug in to their supply chain and just do the work. That's right. And, and don't get me wrong, there is a need for that. There is a need for sometimes come in, do the work, plug the hole. We just aren't the right partner in that instance. Okay. So you're now talking about a 
in some ways, a sales philosophy, a business philosophy that you have that now your sales and marketing must align with your values. That's right. That's right. Okay. I make life really hard for our sales and marketing team. I mean, my gosh, it's hard (laughs) enough. Now you've given them this, you know, altruistic, okay, we have to jump. Okay. So walk us through how you even set this up. So. Yeah. Ooh. That's a that's a loaded question. Let's see what I comes know. out as we go it's through this. For me, I just get to ask you one little question. <laughs> I sit back and drink my beer. Yep, that's right. Thankfully, I had a nice, robust breakfast, so I'm ready to think well today. Because um, food matters, right? Food matters. Uh, so, so as I said, first and foremost, I believe you need to know who you are before you ever start sales and marketing. Before you ever get that engine going, there has to be a very clear understanding by the leadership, quite frankly, the entire organization. Uh, If you have a board, everyone has to be aligned on who the heck are you and how do you stand out in the marketplace? So again, for us, a lot of that is around real foods. Um, I won't get on my soapbox today, but, you know, chronic illness is an incredibly big issue throughout the country, right? 11 million people suffer from that a year. We believe that food is such a big piece of how we're going to move forward. Um, You know, during COVID, people really woke up to, to baseline health. It suddenly mattered kind of where you were in terms of your daily health. Um, and so we have seen on the back end of that, while we have been a bit ahead of the world, ahead of the curve in this real foods mission, the world is quickly catching up. Um, so again, we are very much clear on why we're here, what our purpose is, and we talk a lot about that throughout our organization. Moving forward from there, it becomes, how do you tell that story? And this is where we have not always done well. And and frankly, a lot of organizations fall. How do you make sure people know what you stand for and really understand whether or not you're an aligned partner? So um, that's, again, a lot about the sales force and how we're going to market. What is our website going to say? What does social media look like? How do we make sure that every interaction with our organization very much fits our mission, vision, and values? Um, And thankfully, I came into an organization that was pretty clear on all of those pieces that had a board, an ownership group, a leadership group that just got it. Um, so again, um, that was uh, a nice. You didn't head have start to sell up. I mean, and that yeah. is, so. And I, I just want to say something to the listeners. I understand when you listen to Allison and you're hearing this. If you're not at the top, your first thought is, okay, great, I can have these ideas, and I can try to implement them downstream. But if you look up, you've got yes. VPs, ownership, and board. So. I don't want to just gloss over that. I do know that is a challenge to try to sell up. I would make the mm-hmm. comment that if you find yourself in an organization where you are misaligned, then I know it's not an easy thing to think about, but that's those are the reasons that people make strategic job changes. That's right. Okay. That's right. So that's, uh, I know that's a little bit off topic, but. No, but it's so, important. So one of the most critical things that that I have found is building the right sales team matters. And I say constantly, sales is a team sport. If you believe that you can export sales to three individuals and that they're going to go make it all happen, I think that you're really missing the mark. Um, I am sales. My CFO is sales. My head of operations is sales. Um, my head of HR is sales. And I believe if you don't play it as a team sport, you absolutely will not be as successful. 
Um, there are moments that you are very much speaking to a people leader, an HR leader who wants to use food as a strategic lever in bringing people back to the office, for example. What a wonderful time to say, we have a wonderfully creative, innovative HR leader as well. Let's, let's put you at the table together. That may offer more value in the sales process than any sales team member may. Um, it may be more impactful than having me at the table. So the way that I have always looked at sales is we are all a part of that team. Now we have individuals who very much bird dog the process, who make sure that I am held accountable to doing what I need to do in that I sales love that. process. bird dog it. Yeah, <laughs> you need that. You need the quarterback champion of the partnership. But if you are not all in sync on why growth is a good thing for the organization, how quickly you want to grow, with whom you want to grow, you need to get there first so that then you can truly utilize the entire organization as part of your sales engine. I'm just kind of blown away thinking about bringing in your head of HR or maybe the CFO. Mm -hmm. to have that conversation with the potential aligned partners, HR or CFO group. That's right. We talk a lot about going wide and deep. And when we create the kind of partnerships that, that we really want, it is not one operator dealing with one client. Um, sometimes that happens and, and that's not the ideal. The way that we'd love to make it work is I know the CEO at our partner organization. Our CFO knows their CFO. Our district manager knows that. Like, you really want yeah, to have that deep tentacles. and wide. That's right. Because then you really understand how do you create value. Um, so often we think, okay, we provide food. So our value is coming in and providing the right food for that client or that partner. Um, I highly disagree. Um, as you know, when you create the, the right partnerships in business, they go so much further than that. We can share best practice. We can make introductions for one another. We can really develop something that drives value to multiple parts of their organization um, when we have that chance to really build that, that deep and wide rapport, if that makes sense. Yeah, I'm just, I keep having these aha moments. Like some of it, so, yeah, I tell you, there's some parts about sales, it's so common sense, yet the application in making it work is the challenge yeah. because having your CFO communicate and work with and have a relationship with one of your aligned partner CFOs is critical because they can speak their own language. And that CFO might say to your CFO, we're really needing more visibility in this aspect of the PL. And yes. where that salesperson the bird dogger, right, might <laughs> not understand exactly what that CFO is saying or how they need it That's delivered. Right. So both CFOs say to their teams, let's get this worked out. And next thing they know, they've got a new dashboard problem solved. That's absolutely right. And frankly, it's not fair to put that all on a, on a salesperson, a director of business development. That is not a fair expectation. So again, partly because of my love of sales and marketing coming up in that area, but also partly because I believe this is good business, we do approach this as a full cohesive team. Um, and for us, that's mattered a lot. I'll also say that I like to be very actively involved. I'm not sure if all of our sales team members would say that that's a good thing or a bad thing. We won't <laughs> ask them today. Um, but to me, that's something that we can do that's very unique for me to be able to sit down with our prospective partners um, 
to be able to, to really inform them, what are we going to bring to the table and how am I going to make sure that this organization really is aligned with the right resources to, to deliver on what we've committed to? That matters and has been very powerful um, and something that I don't see going away. Um, it's pretty important to me that I get a chance to meet each of our partners before we move forward. I think it matters on both sides, but that alignment is so important that we want to take that time, as much time as we take to bring someone into our organization to make sure if you're going to bring in a new director of operations or uh, you know, a, a CFO or a head of HR, we spend a lot of time. We want to spend that same due diligence effort and the partnership um, because quite frankly, doing it in advance means that you get to build something for the long haul. Part of our, our mission is enduring relationships. So certainly that real foods piece is so important, but we have partnerships that go back to the eighties. And that's because we took the time up front to really wow. understand what did a win look like and how do we make sure we deliver on it? That's a 40 plus year old relationship. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, it's been pretty amazing and, and humbling to walk into a company that's built partnerships like that. We it's also like, have team members that like have been here that long. Kids grow up. I mean, that's yeah. like, you know, and that's, then, right. that's a, uh, I, and I would imagine too, having those kind of relationships has really helped the overall sales and marketing, I should say the sales funnel. Yes, that's because right. Because no one wants to do cold outreach if they don't have to. And I'm not sure it always works. Uh, you and I both receive a lot of those LinkedIn messages, emails, phone calls. Uh, I think we are bombarded by sales efforts, both one-on-one -on -one and organizationally. And um, it's hard to get cut through that clutter mm -hmm. in terms of a cold call. The way that most of our partnerships have started is a referral. Um, yeah. you know, I just did some, some numbers recently and that really was the bulk of it. It was our operations team did such an incredible job delivering on our commitments, really bringing these amazing relationships to the forefront, delivering food that, that improves the lives of others on a daily basis, showing up consistently that then they tell somebody else or they move on in their career. They head from one hospital to another and we get that phone call. We can't do this without you. Come on over here and let's, let's recreate that partnership that we had elsewhere. Um, oh, that's, that's the dream. That's gotta be, that is, that's literally the dream. Now that on is, the flip side, if you don't develop the right partnerships, that's how you're going to grow. So I know this can be very, um, it can be difficult, but when we say we don't want to be the biggest, we want to be the best. I think you have to be willing to say no to the wrong opportunities in order to create what you want over time, because where whatever partnerships you enter, that's that's your reputation. That's how you're going to grow. That's the kind of partners you're saying you want to work with. Mm -hmm. So I think being incredibly picky, especially early on in a startup and a business, I know that is hard to do, but I think that patience and diligence actually pays off in the long haul. Yeah, you're really establishing your relation, your reputation in the marketplace. That's right. If you take on a less than stellar partner. That's right. Because yeah. now you're really, I think it's even doubly challenging because now you're signaling not just to the world, these are the kinds of companies that you align yourself with, but you, what, think what you're doing to your employees. That's it. That's it. Honestly, the most important audience you have is your In, own team members. Right. Okay. Uh, what are you telling them? What is important? And it's not um, it's not what you're telling them. It's what you're showing them. That's right. Um, so in terms of uh, kind of from there, how we look at sales, this is more of a personal philosophy. So take it or leave it. Uh, I say stop selling. And what I mean by that is if you come across as someone who is 
selling, who is pitching constantly, it doesn't always ring true. And I know this is true for me. I would much rather sit down, really take the time to understand who we're speaking with, truly understand the challenges, the issues, what a win looks like for them. And if we can deliver on that, let's tell them how we've done it. Let's give them very real examples. Let's talk them specifically about um, how we have been in that same situation before and how we've delivered. If we cannot deliver what they want, I actually believe that the most important thing to do is to tell them that. Your credibility at that table is so important. There may be different ways that we can look at scenarios, but there are times a a prospective partner is going to put something out there that is not doable, that you know, for this price point and these expectations, there is a misalignment. You have one shot to make sure that you are candid and trustworthy at that table. And for us, integrity is a core value. It's something that we practice as we develop partnerships. Be upfront, be honest, because shockingly, you will be very different by doing that. Yeah. It's funny. By telling them no, that person <laughs> at some point, as you said, might change jobs. That's it. And they remember. And they'll remember. And they'll they remember, wow, you turned it down. You turned down revenue, you know, because yes. it wasn't alignment. Because it um, wasn't the right thing. Right. Because you were living your values. So when we're talking about living our values and working that into the overall sales and marketing mission, this is going to translate at some point into your hiring process. Yes. So talk to me a little bit about just how do you go about trying to vet or suss out potential bird dogs? <laughs> and I say that with love as someone who came I up. I love it. Listen, <laughs> I come out of, look, I come out of uh, talent acquisition. I've had a lot of people yeah. call me a headhunter. I love yeah. it. I call yeah. you, that's fine. That's right. It's a, it's a win. Um, yeah. So we are very thoughtful around not only who we bring into our sales department, quite frankly, who we bring in across the organization, um, but specifically with sales First, I look for a spirit of curiosity. If someone is coming in and just pitching, 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 uh, it's all about, you know, let me kind of word vomit all over you, which is very Spray common. Pray and pray is what I call <laughs> yes. that. I'm not interested in that. I want somebody who asks a whole lot of questions, who listens more than they speak, because that is critical in how we believe that we sell. We need to first understand before we put any sort of customized solution in front of a, a prospective partner, um, somebody that we're speaking with. So when I hire, that's number one. How much are you talking? How much are you listening? Did you come with thoughtful questions? Are you really interested in understanding what makes me tick? And therefore, if you are the right solution, or are you out here just kind of, like you said, hoping and praying that if I say it enough times, somebody will pray say Pray and yes. pray. That's right. Yeah. Well, it sounds like what you're really what you're really doing is you're wanting to see without any kind of tipping of your hat to the potential employee, how do they treat you? Mm -hmm. And are they handling this meeting the way you would handle the meeting with a yes. potential aligned partner? You're trying That's to right. see how closely do they follow that, whether yeah. they know they're doing it or not. And you know, from talent acquisition, that's a lot of selling, right? There's a lot of crossover between talent acquisition and sales. So I do treat this as um, kind of a, a, a faux sales interaction to see how they, how they manage that for sure. So that's the first. Um, second, because we are so purpose-driven, I like to get a sense from the person of how much am I going to frustrate them when I tell them they can't say yes to everybody? 
how much are, are they really in this for uh, the long haul, for something broader than just hitting a quota every single month or quarter? Of course, that's important. Of course, we want to grow, but we want to do it thoughtfully. And for some, the faster, the better. You know, I just want to have the opportunity to, to say yes and sign contracts left and right. We want some spirit of competitiveness. We want that spirit of um, go get them. But I also want somebody who has passion and alignment with our mission, because then when we do say no, they know why. They felt it in their own gut. I was just a mere um, kind of uh, confirmation of that. But without that passion and values alignment, really understanding and caring about our mission, I think I'll frustrate the heck out of somebody. Yeah, I think I would probably just ask the question something like, when was the last time you said no yes. to a prospect? Great one. Yeah, that's a really good one. And why? Why did you say no? How'd you handle it? And we need to create enough space that they can do that. It, it is incredibly disheartening if you're constantly saying no. So how do we provide them the right tools, the right uh, onboarding so that they understand who we're going to say yes to? What are those things that we're going to look for? What are the questions you can use when you are talking with a potential client prospect that you can quickly understand whether or not we're going to have that alignment? As I mentioned, if, if it's all about, hey, we have an RFP and we just need a vendor and you're going to fit into our system, well, maybe that's not the right thing. If this was a referral, if it's somebody who sees food as a truly um, viable part of their own strategic value proposition, that's when we get to have some fun. When a hospital says, I want to be known for my food. I, I don't believe in this hospital food reputation. I want to be known for my food. Those are my kind of people. Um, and so how do we find those aligned partners early on in the process? I love that. It just kind of makes me think too, like we've got to go back and, and do a better job of, of thinking through that, even with our with our customers, you, you really have to do that because it is, is to moralizing really to yes. your, to your team and your organization when they bring on clients that just are not aligned. And in our business, we call it a, a purple squirrel or a unicorn. Ah, I like it. It's like, you know, you're, you're pouring your heart and your soul into these people and you really should have said no from the beginning because purple squirrels don't exist. That's right. That's right. One of the final questions I had was really based around sales training. And I know that varies depending on the level of experience mm -hmm. and education that they come with. But do you have any general thoughts on, on this topic in general of, of sales training? Yeah, I would say number one, uh, we start with onboarding and, and truly cultural onboarding, I guess I would say. And again, uh, obviously, we're, we're sort of an oddity in this space. But we want our, our sales team members to first and foremost understand who we are, really understand what makes us tick. So a lot of that initial time is spent visiting actual sites, um, interacting with our current partners, talking to our team members, seeing our chefs in action. You need to be able to speak from a place of authenticity, at least in our business. So we first try to say, don't worry about everything else yet. Spend the first month or two really understanding who we are and what we're all about. Get the stories Get to know that one chef and why he does what he does and how he got to know every team member who came up at the cafe. He knew their order. He held that thing back. He knew that person was gluten-free and made them a special dish before they even asked. Those are the stories that then come out very organically in a sales conversation. If it sounds like you're reading a brochure or a website, it's just never going to resonate. So spending first and foremost time with the team, 
We do something called new manager orientation here, and this is not just for our sales team members. It's for all of our new managers that come on board. We fly them into Boise. So here at our home office, we have our uh, uh, our owner, Matt Thomas, myself, the entire executive leadership team comes together and spends time with that team. They get to know every single leader and player in the organization. We all go out to dinner. So you get to sit down and get to know them and their families and what makes them tick, why they join the company, why we're so passionate about our mission. And that's really where the good stuff starts to show up. That's when somebody gets pretty passionate and is excited to go call clients and say, oh my gosh, you'll never believe what we do at this company. It's so different. Um, So we spend a whole lot of our sales training way before they ever sell. Um, We want that piece in first, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I Um, I think it kind of sets the foundation for them. That's it. That's it. And then from there, we do believe in technical sales skill. So um, some of that's done internally through our, our sales leader. Some of it's done with external partners that we bring in just to really understand the sales process, the sales funnel. How do we make sure we're asking good qualifying questions up front? Really um, making sure, first and foremost, that we're spending our time in the right spaces. So what I will say is half of sales is knowing where to put your time. We all have 24 hours in a day, far less that we're actually working, hopefully. Um, But those hours can be strategically leveraged depending on what what you decide to spend your time on. So to me, understanding where have we gotten really solid partnerships in the past, Um, What are kind of those pools of of reoccurring leads that we can be cultivating, whether they're associations or current clients and partners, maybe our own team members. They're often one of the best sources of prospective new business. How do we really think through where the pools of reoccurring leads are instead of just dialing and praying? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So all that said, technical skill is still very much an important piece of what we do. and, And we do spend time, resource and money on that. And it's not just for our sales team members. When we've done sales, uh, kind of brought in sales training from the outside, we like to include our operational leaders. We like to include our executive team because again, for us, sales is a team sport. So we all need to understand what that process looks like and how to identify and align with the person that you're speaking with, both behaviorally and organizationally. Yeah, I bet it also creates a little bit of empathy too when the CFO and others have to see just how difficult it really is. That's I think right. it just builds a little more, you know, respect or or just um, understanding. That's right. And, and I will say, we didn't say this earlier, if you don't have a really great way to celebrate wins, that's got to be part of the plan too, because it so is so celebrate? hard. I love, I've, I have love, um, Everyone does something kind of unique. Do you want to share that? Or is that a, yeah. uh, that a so, Thomas Cuisine secret? Well, no, I mean, I won't share any big secrets. Um, you know, some of them I'll keep keep to That's myself. Right, but right. Keep those. Different organizations that I've been in have done different things. Uh, I, I'm so old school. I love the bell. Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. There's something about that that I think is so fun to be able to like publicly recognize, hey, we had a big win and look at all the people that were a part of that. We do a weekly town hall with all of our managers. It's done virtually, but we use that as a great platform to say, 
Folks, we talk a lot about smart growth. We're going to tell you about an exciting new smart growth partnership that we've entered, why we're so excited about it, why we were drawn to these folks as, a, as partners, and, and how you're going to be a part of this, how it's growing one of the regions that you're in, why you're going to have more opportunities for growth and advancement within our company because of this. Um, so that's definitely a, an arena that we try to use to celebrate good news. Yeah, and I think that's so important too in this day and age of building and maintaining culture in a remote remote workforce. So I think That's you're it. you're really kind of hitting more than one area with that type of uh yeah system. Yeah. That's right. And again, I mean, there are other things that you need to have in place. If you're going to have a, a very real sales department, you need to make sure you have an aligned commission plan. You need to make sure that you are rewarding the behaviors you actually want to see. Um, so we spend a lot of time really developing those and making sure that they, they are rewarding the right things, not creating the wrong sorts of behaviors within the organization. Oh, so that's right. That's the other Look, salespeople will figure out your commission structure. That's right. They will so get it right. It They'll figure it out. So yes. Well, this so has I think been. I tell, this is just. It's been great uh, to hear just such a, a refreshing kind of optimistic view of of sales. You know, uh, not once did I hear anything about you know metrics and um, I don't know just the things that most people just kind of turn their nose up at anyway. I think what yeah. I'm hearing more is kind of a, a of a cultural. Sales yes, approach. that's right. And I think you should be having fun with it. If sales isn't fun, we're probably doing something wrong because if you, and you, you said this earlier, if you're passionate about the company that you're in, if there is true alignment up and down, this should be fun. This should be exciting. Yes, it will be hard work. Yes, there are times you want to hit your head on a wall. I get it. That's part of the growth plan. <laughs> that's part of the path. But to me, we should be enjoying and excited about what we're doing because that generates this, this kind of a, I don't know, magnetic thing. You know, when somebody has that great confidence, you just want to go up and talk to them. I think the same thing is true for, for a company. When your organization exudes excitement and passion and mission-driven, like you said, I think people can't help but say, all right, I think I want to be a part of what that is. Yeah, culture definitely will win out over any kind of a job description or anything like that. If people can get a sense for your culture, that definitely will attract. And I think obviously it's working with with your line partners. Well, Allison, this has been great. I think we covered a lot of ground in a short period of time. Um, what's the best way for people on the West Coast or the Midwest that maybe they're hearing this and they're thinking, Maybe we need to look at a potential new partnership in our food service arena. What's the best way for people to reach out? Yeah, absolutely. Right on our website, we make it super easy. It says contact us. You can click that button and we will get the note. I am on that email personally, so I'll get a chance to see what so comes it, through. And so it's not birddog at thomasbegin.com. <laughs> it should be. I think uh, <laughs> I, maybe, you know, maybe this is a follow-up. You know? Maybe that's my follow-up for sure. But yes, anyone, even if you're just interested in talking further about um, what's going on in the industry and, and what are we seeing? How can we support you? I didn't mention it, but to me, offering value ahead of a partnership is really important. The time will come, and I believe that great people will end up finding the opportunities to work together. In the meantime, if we can share some insight, best practice, we're always happy to do that. Well, that is great, Allison. And I'm already trying to think of some potential live stream conversations that maybe we can have with some other food service 
folks that are not in your competitive set geographically, but maybe holistically, that might be an interesting conversation. I'm thinking of, of a company right now. So we'll see how that unfolds. Allison, thank you so much for being here today and, and just sharing your, uh, your passion. My pleasure. Thank you, Tony. So happy to be here.